Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardi. Those are great guys on all social media platforms and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. show sebi's out y'all sebi's not here with us this week it's all good though you got your boy here big mike from the trash state area from the dmv out here rain raining in the trash state area and trust me i am not alone i got a great guest with me the good brother the good brother all the way from the dmv but residing all the way on the west coast in washington always putting on and showing love for the seattle seahawks one of the biggest russell wilson uh um uh, fanatics you'll ever find. Uh, he, he loves that brother. Passionate about the game. Gonna give you the charisma and the swag with it. I mean, just anything you want in a sports commentator analyst. I got it right here as my as my co-host for the day. And that's none only than Monday, morning Monday football's own, the guru. Guru, what's going on, brother? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, it's the G to the U to the R to the U. Feeling guru today, man. Call me feeling guru, man. No doubt, man. It's only right, man. Sebi was out. Sebi's out in Tampa right now, getting ready to cover the Super Bowl. So it's only right we brought one of our one of our uh, 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 good friends and one of our uh, frequent guests on the show. It's only right, brother. How you doing today, man? Man, I'm living the dream, man. I see y'all are stuck in that snow out there, man. Thank goodness. I mean, the West Side is nice and cloudy out here, man. <laughs> Man, who you telling, man? It's crazy. It's crazy you say that, man. I just spent most of my morning shoveling snow out the parking lot and everything, man. The snow got pretty hot, man. We got a lot of inches up here in the in the New Jersey, New York area. It's still coming down a little bit as we speak, but it's all good, man. It's it's that time of the year, you know. You already know, man. Let the let the February say hello and it's goodbye, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. Man, we, hey, hey, Google, we got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to talk about. It's been a lot going on in sports lately. You know, we got a lot of sports coming in and uh, just starting up a new season, like hockey, not too long ago. You know, we got the NFL Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. Uh, uh, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. The NBA is kicking off in the full gear. A lot of trades, a lot of moves have been happening, and these players are playing out of their world. It's just a lot going on right now. But we're going to start off with this NFL Super Bowl 55 coming up on Sunday afternoon, and this is where we're going to go with it. This is a star-studded matchup, Google. This is a star-studded quarterback duel. This is arguably one of the best quarterback duels we've ever seen in Super Bowl history. You can actually make a case for it. And I would make a case that it would have been one of the greatest duel had Brady been in the middle of his prime, uh, based on how Patrick Mahomes is playing. So when you look at this these, this matchup right here, uh, what what do you think of when, when you think about Brady 
Tom Brady versus Mahomes. Man, I, I mean, this 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 brings me chills, man. Uh, in Super Bowls, I can remember about maybe in my lifetime, maybe or three, maybe two or three Super Bowls that put in like straight Hall of Famers versus Hall of Famers. You know what I'm saying? And this is like a Hall of Famer goat versus an up and coming lamb. I like to call him. I don't want to give him the goat <laughs> status yet. He's just a lamb. He's young. You know what I'm saying? A young right. lion, a young right. lamb. Uh, but I'm I'm super jacked up for this. I mean, you can think the ultimate winner of all time, man. The ultimate guy, when you say a winner, when you say a guy that has that winning blood, going against another kid that's basically a young replica of him with, I'm talking about like as far as his mental status-wise, as far as loving the game, as far as putting everything he loves in the game, just like Brady, man. So it's like two like-minded people doing it. It's like me and you, how passionate we are, Doing this show, man, it's gonna be explosive. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. This is gonna be epic. I, I, I want you. You touched on something, and I wanted to get your perspective on it real quick. You know, we we have a lot of people. Uh, we live in a society right now, and we live in the the living in a moment era, and everything is right now. And you know, um, what have you done for me lately? And what are your thoughts on? You know, I've heard you say about Patrick Mahomes. He's not really. He doesn't need to belong in the goat status yet. But what is your what is your take? Because I, I know you've heard it countless times of people and uh, calling Patrick Mahomes the greatest quarterback to ever live right now, and how premature that is. Only in his third season as a full starter. Well, what are your what is your perspective on people being so uh, quick to call somebody the goat and just throw that word around so loosely? And uh, I'm so <laughs> lucky, man. I was, I was like the. I was like the end of the generation of that. I was like the end of the, the millennial. So I kind of grew up with the other aspect too, man. So I know about patience and I know about yeah. process. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, also, I did grow up in the millennial age. So put it like this. We grew up in the, every two years, you got to get a new cell phone. Every every three years, you got to get a new car and you got to get a new apartment. So it's like, this is the, the, the mobile, the moving generation. You know what I'm saying? Look mm -hmm. at LeBron. He's switching teams. So this is the mobile generation. This is the current. Is, this is a generation I don't know about the past. It's all about the now, now, now. You know what I yep. mean? So I totally understand. But I do know that I have a little bit of history back into it. I have, I've seen the past. And so it's like I could compare both aspects of it. So as far as the current, yes, Patty Mahomes is absolutely unbelievable. But just like you mentioned, we have seen unbelievable quarterbacks before early. You know what I mean? I need to see more of this. What makes you a GOAT, what makes you a legend is tenureship. Yeah, straight yeah. up. And I think another aspect of it, too, is with the premature GOAT, uh, conversations with Patrick Mahomes is the fact that a, a lot of people that um that aren't familiar with the process of uh getting to that point are looking at the fact how great he's playing right now and the elite status that he's playing right now and expect him to consistently play at this level for uh 10 to 15 plus years potentially winning multiple Super Bowls and things of that nature so that 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 has a lot to do with it but on the other side people a lot of people have to understand they have that mentality just because it looks good early in the season doesn't mean that's gonna that's gonna be his career path for the remainder. You don't know what his career is gonna look like the rest of the the rest of the way. I mean, you know, he's already did something that no quarterback has has done ever, which is sign a ten year, almost lifelong career long contract with one team early, very early in your career, and uh, that right there alone is something different. So it is it's, it's, it's I think that's very premature. Like you said, we grew up in the era of patience. 
also we understand that we understand the era that we live in as well. But we also had that the OGs let us know that like, look, man, it's a marathon, not a sprint, mm. and, it, and it's a lot of it's a lot of things that go into the process of winning and becoming that great. And I feel like that's that's that needs to t- be taken into consideration when people go out there and throw that goat uh, status on Patrick Mahomes just so early. It's so it's so young. Absolutely, man. And I, and I totally get it because I see the trajectory. You know, some people just like just like in real life. Let's say if you read books, you're going to have a little bit of different life. You know what I'm saying? So I see the trajectory. And I think what a lot of people are saying, if the biggest word, no, that's what I don't like using. But in sports, that's what we do use. The if, you know what I'm saying? I like yeah. to say that. So if he stays in that trajectory, and that's a big if, but that is yes. the case. So he is on a great trajectory. So I think most of the people are focusing on the trajectory uh, currently rather than, you know, the end of the trajectory. When you can just sit back and just like, wow, look at whatever I've accomplished. Also, look at those weapons that he has as well. And a lot of quarterbacks, even even average quarterbacks at best, would be like, man, if I had those weapons, I would at least look like half of what he's looked. So, you know, you got to take that in consideration as well. But moving on to the game itself in his hand, uh, when you talk about this, th- uh, uh, some of the keys for success for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, I, I look at this defense, man. This defense has been playing uh, off and on throughout the season. They were very inconsistent throughout the year. They had spurts where they looked uh, elite, and then they had spurts where they looked like one of the worst defenses in football. But defensively throughout these playoffs, and especially since their bye week in week 13, they've been tremendous, and they've been uh, forcing turnovers. They've um, uh, just, just gotten pressure with four at the quarterback uh, on the quarterbacks, and they, they've been playing great defense in the back half on consistent levels and gotten timely stops. I think one of the keys in this game with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, because they're so creative offensively, is to make sure that you defensive discipline. You have to be defend, uh, disciplined defensively. They like to run a lot of mis, uh, misdirections, and uh, you know they do. They like to do a lot of creative things with their playmakers at the line of scrimmage before the play even snaps. Everybody hat on a hat. If you're playing zone, zone discipline. If you're going to man on man uh, at times, make sure you, you're disciplined with that. And everything is locked in, and also getting pressure on four man pressure. That four man pressure is going to be vital on Patrick Mahomes. Though those are my two keys. What are you? What are your other keys? Man, it's so funny, people? man. It's like I actually just finished doing my my, my film work on on, on the on the, on this game, man. So I literally this whole weekend, man, I've been doing my film work on on the Bucks and the and the Chiefs, man. So I went all the way back. So first of all, let me start with when you mentioned as far as the defense being uh, uh, inconsistent. So. I kind of went back, right, because it's like people fail to realize sometimes there was a key guy, there was a key reason why the, the Tampa Bay defense was, you know, in the middle of the year went through kind of an up and down slope. It's like in the beginning of the first, basically remember the first basically ten, eight, seven weeks when they were out of this world, right? Yes. One of the key guys that was on that team was Vita Vea. My man Vita Vea, mm-hmm. as far as the defensive tackle, when, they, when him and Sue was there, you know, in the mm-hmm. beginning, that's when you saw Tampa Bay's defense basically high level. And then when Vita Vea got hurt, you know what I'm saying? When he got hurt, that's when the team kind of actually figured themselves out because now the offensive line could double team Sue. And, that, and then that, that's what you see JPP and Shaq Bet was kind of, it was hard for them to manufacture pressure at that time, which <clears> got the defense, the secondary exposed. And you could tell at that time, they tried to bring more pressure by playing more man on man coverage. But now, when you see Vita Vea came back at the end of the season, and what did you notice about the defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You see, first of all, you can't run on that defense. They're unrunnable. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think one of the main key aspects in the club, and I think a lot of people in most 
most people don't realize is the importance of Vita Vita on that defensive line. When I see him on the film, he makes the major difference. And also, I love Todd Bowles. Right now, bro, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the best cover two man scheme. That's mm-hmm. their scheme right there. Yep. They're going to play cover two man because you see in the game against the Chiefs, the second half, when they adjusted from playing straight man and went to cover two man, oh my goodness. You saw how Patrick Mahomes struggled. I yeah, saw um, Shaq Barrett giving him problems, and that's how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually made a run and make that game close. So Vita Vier to me, is the, definitely the club, and he is that defense. I know a lot of people want to mention Devin White and, and a couple other guys, but I think the main key in this defense is Vita Vier. Yeah, yeah, I agree, because he, he sets the tone in the middle of the defense. I mean, when – when, you know, uh, people had a lot of trepidation about whether or not Tampa Bay could get to the Super Bowl. Well, you have a huge recipe for success when you have the ability to, you know, run the football. You can go on the road and you can stop You can stop the run. You can run the football and you have Tom Brady at your quarterback position, man. That that right there alone was a key factor for them. And Vita Vea, what he does in the middle, clogging the paint. Like you said, he frees up the outsiders. Uh, Shaq Barron and JPP, who had all-world games and were, were key factors in their win against Green Bay uh, a couple weeks ago. So, you're absolutely right. Vita Vey is key for them. Um, and also, just a little quick, because if you all yeah. haven't noticed how Devin White's game been the last few weeks, how he taken it off, it's because yeah. my man Vita Vey is clogging up. You don't have no linemen in front of It's kind of remind me of how the Baltimore Ravens used to do it with Mike Nolan and those big, with the goose, Sarah Gooser. When you have a guy like that and you have a middle linebacker with that much talent, and the yeah. most important thing is you don't let nobody get to him in the second level, and that guy makes every play. You watch the film work. Devin White has stepped up because of Vita Vea. Vita Vea make Devin White free, and now that's helped the entire Bucks defense. Man, you can you can't you can almost can't find a better linebacker tandem, sideline to sideline, better than Levante David and uh, Devin White. They're, those two are special, man. So it's it's going to be a show. Uh, while watching them cover these guys and watching them make plays in the run game and stuff like that. Uh, what are some X factors on this uh, Kansas City defense? Because I feel like this Kansas City defense is getting overlooked in this game. This Kansas City defense is something is a is a defense that you know throughout the season hovers around you know, the middle of the pack. It's not going to be the an all world defense, but they're not going to be the worst defense in football. But when the playoffs come around, this team finds a way to to, to make big plays, and they look like a stout defensive team because they have some playmakers on that side of the ball uh, guru and they, they, they make plays. So this Kansas City defense, uh, they're going to be motivated highly uh, to step up in this game. And uh, who are some X factors you see on this game? And man, that- man, look, man, I got to say it, man. I'm, I got to say it, bro. I'm talking about my man, playoff Frank Clark, bro. Y'all boys better recognize this dude <laughs> when it comes to the playoff. I don't, Frank Clark don't give a damn. You know, I'm a Seattle guy, man. So, Frank Clark don't give a damn about the regular season. But damn it, dog. Frank, dog, Frank Clark has played 10 career playoff games. And he has had 10 career sacks, bro. He's the closer. Frank Clark will be the ultimate factor. I don't think it's Chris Jones. I don't think it's Tyron Matthew. I think it's going to be Frank Clark. Because we know Brady. You put pressure on Brady. What yeah. happens? And the best pass rusher. The best pressure guy, especially in clutch, especially in the playoff, man. None other than my guy, Frank Money Bag Playoff Clark, man. He's <laughs> definitely him because they're moving both sides. So he's going to be going against Tristan Wirfs. He's going to be going against Donovan. So it's like I can't wait to see what they do with playoff Frank. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. He's he's a he's a pest. Ever since he's come over from Seattle and got his money in Kansas City, he's been nothing short of a, a fantastic. And uh, he's he gets pressure on the quarterback on a consistent level. Um, I, I'm I'm, impre- I'm intrigued to see what he looks like. I, I'm going to go Chris Jones. I'm going to go Tyron Matthew. Guys like that. Uh, these are going to be playmakers. Tyron Matthews is going to be all over this field. We know he's going to be a, uh, in the box a lot of the times. He's going to be in the backfield covering. I mean, he's he has a huge assignment in this game. He's it's going to be a chess and match game between you know him and Brady and how they how they do things and stuff like that. So it's I'm I'm intrigued to see that matchup as well. The the, the IQ matchup and just the chess move between the, the two generals on each side of the ball. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely, man. Especially and you know you have. I love Tyrone Matthew too, and obviously I love this other dude out there that helped Tyrone Matthew, my man Juan Thornhill. So what yeah. I love about the Chiefs defense, I saw they have they have playmakers. You know what I mean? But one yeah. thing is I, I don't like about the Chiefs defense is I think what the the Bron- I mean the Buccaneers are gonna try to expose uh, is basically I don't I don't know if they have anybody inside. Brady is a beast when it comes to inside the numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what made Brady a goat. Uh, but as far as the Chiefs. I don't even know who this slot corner is, to be honest with you, bro. Um, I don't see anybody of that significant. I know old buddy, um, I forgot the dude's name, number 49, the white boy. Yeah, it's Morrison. Yeah, Morrison. Yes. I think, put it like this, you're going to see Gronk, like that is going to be the play, the matchup of matchup right there. You're going to yes. see Morrison get exposed right there because I don't think he's a very good coverage linebacker or safety, whatever um, hybrid he is. Yeah. But I look for Bruce Arians to attack, attack him Every time he's on the field, yeah. This 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 chess matchup between coaches and uh, players, and it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting. I, I'm I'm intrigued as well because I I agree with you. I don't from the linebacker position. I feel like they have a disadvantage when you think about the weapons that Tampa Bay are, have on our side. So it's gonna be it's gonna be intriguing. And, and um, you know, uh, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown. I expect him to be a lot in the slot a lot in this game. He's back home in Florida, so I expect Brady to find him a lot early and often. But but now to your game picks. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start this one off, Guru. Uh, after everything that's gone on this season, who will be Super Bowl the winner of Super Bowl Fifty Five? Oh man, I don't. To me, I'm 100. Like I I don't think it's a good matchup for the um, Kansas City Chiefs right now, man. Uh, I don't. I, from the look on the films, I don't see without the Bucks. If the Bucks don't turn the ball over, the Kansas City Chiefs will lose this ball game. That's the only way. The only way the Chiefs will win this game, bro. The only way from film, especially with the deficiency they have as far as the offensive line right now, which is crucial. Expect people got to realize the Kansas City Chiefs are explosive offense. Explosive. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in a sense, they need their linemen need a hold Mahomes for for three step, for five step drop, seven step drop. But when you don't have that no more with those guys coming at them, and especially I know Tom Bowles going to be that cover two, cover two man scheme, put his hands on those receivers. And most importantly, the mistake the Buffalo Bills did, they left Travis Kelsey off the line with no one getting touching him. I don't see that happening with Tom Bowles' defense. So, in a sense, I think this is a terrible matchup for the Chiefs. If you have a house, if you have a, a college funds, if you have a, if you have any money in your hand, I will put everything I have on Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then you're gonna thank me later. I agree. I actually agree. I have the, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning this game as well. I um, this uh, the only way I see the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game is if they, is essentially if they blow them out. They have to blow them out because not only not, not only is it a disadvantage schematically because of how Tampa Bay's defense is playing right now and this 
scheme uh, defensively has given Mahomes has been the defense that give Mahomes trouble in the past. Uh, I just feel like Tom Brady's on a mission, man. It's just the magnitude of the moment. The fact that he's the first quarterback and this is the first team to ever uh, host a Super Bowl cha- uh, uh, championship on their home on their home court on their home field. That that's a magnitude in and of itself. The fact that Tom Brady's going for his seventh championship on the seventh day of February. That's a, and, and it speaks for itself. I mean, it's it's just the, the, everything is it lines up for the for this moment to be. And we've what we've seen from Tom Brady in Super Bowls, we know he's going to bring his best. We know he's going to have his best game from four. We know Patrick Mahomes is going to come to play too. This Kansas City defense is going to come to play as well. This it's going to be a great matchup between both teams, both sides. The NFL got the matchup it exactly wanted. Uh, but I have to go with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just think right now they're playing at a high level. I feel like they're really going to capitalize with this running game. This running game for Tampa Bay is going to be key because it's going to keep Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City explosive offense off the field. Tom Brady understands what he has to do to win this game. He's not he's he's not going to force the big play. He's not going to try to win it all in the big play. He's going to try to methodically and surely uh, wear, this, wear this Kansas City defense down and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. That's one of the key recipes for success. And let this defense go out there and play and do what they do. They force a couple turnovers. That really puts them in great position. I have the I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning this game as well. And uh, it's going to be a dog fight. Kansas City uh, is, is going to be it's going to be close. They're going to be a scrappy team. They're going to fight. They just don't know. They just are, are not used to losing. So it's going to be a, a physical fight. But I'm going to go with the Buccaneers to close them out and be Super Bowl 55 champions. Tom Brady will have won his seventh championship. The goat of all goats. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's special, man. It's special. And, and after this, after this, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if anybody else can dispute if he's the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, I don't know what's going to happen when, in about 30 years from now. I know I'm going to be one of those old guys 30 years from now. Whoever the new quarterback is, just like they do with Jordan, I'm going to be like, I've seen Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Ain't yeah. nothing. Ain't, I'm going to be one of those old heads. Ain't nothing you could tell me. I don't care what the new Chinese subject object <laughs> is. When I see Brady do seven for ten, Oh, mercy, yes. man. I don't even see nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Seven championships. We're witnessing greatness right in front of our eyes. And whether you like the guy or not, you have to respect his competitive nature and his game and what he's brought to the game. So uh, mo- moving on from that, we will head on to segment two, where we will talk about the NBA. You know, some some crucial topics. You know, I'm, I'm going to pick Guru's head, Guru's mind on what he thinks about the big three and, and so on and so forth. So tune in. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll be right back. Here on the Sebi Here live on the Sevy Podcast Show. I'm here with my good brother Guru from morning, morning, Monday morning football. We we live, we live and ready, man. And uh, you know, Guru, I, I want to pick your brain about some of these NBA topics, man. It's been a lot going on with NBA basketball lately. Um, you know, there's been some some hot teams and stuff like that. Some hot takes. You got the Brooklyn Big Three. You got, you know, Joel Embiid has the Philadelphia 76ers on fire. 
the uh, LeBron James has started off well with the Lakers. The Lakers are um, they, they look like they're in cruise control. Um, you know, it's been a lot of sleeper teams, and I'm telling you right now, offense is the key in the NBA right now. Guru. Offense is the key because right now we have. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a stat out there that I don't I don't know if, uh, some, most fans have paid attention to. Over 30 players in the league right now are averaging over 20 points a game. Last year, it was only 11. Uh, right, you, that just lets you know right now these guys are are offensive games are through the roof. Uh, defense is is at a pre, is at a premium now uh, compared to where it was in the past. It's a combination of both. I don't want to say it's all, give uh, give praise only to the offense, but not say that you know the the fact that the defensive um, rules are different now is not. Are, they're both mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a combination of both. It's great offense. The skill set of these guys are through the roof. But the the lack of defensive aggress- aggression is allowing these guys to get off and, and really, really dominate at an even higher level. Absolutely, man. It's an offensive league, man. It kind of reminds me. I remember in the baseball, they, when they said they used to juice the ball, where they used to just hit all home runs every time in baseball. Now it's like in basketball, it's a straight three-pointer league, man. It's, yeah. it's not about twos no more. It's threes. And you can just see the evolution of basketball right now, man. It's it's absolutely unbelievable, man. The skill set those guys have offensively. I mean, you kind of look, think about it, man, because defense is effort. Defense is not no skill set. You don't need yeah. skills to play defense. You just need effort. Uh, but at the end of the day, when we write about stuff, as far as when we talk about stuff, how often, other than the NFL, how often do we say, because I feel like the NFL is the only one that has it says, Defense wins championship. I've never heard that in any other sport but the NFL. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you bring up a great point because, uh, and, and to be honest with you, in today's NFL, you almost can't even say that anymore. You know, with with the way the NFL is playing and the way these guys are scoring the ball at will, you're absolutely right, man. This but it's just... kind of funny we picked the Bucks because of defense, though. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did actually, right? It's crazy, it's crazy what we do. So you know, and. And I well, you know, you know, you know, Tom Brady had a lot to do with that too. <laughs> nah, man, I'm looking at that defense. You know, we yeah, had Tom right. Brady, but it wasn't that defense. You know, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be like, you know what, the Chiefs might get that W. <laughs> yeah, good point, man. Now nah, you're right. Basketball is it's about offense, man. It's about skill set. You know, it's not about back then. You know, uh, player movement and you know, set running sets and plays. It's more so about isolation. You know, pick and roll. Uh, let these guys, you know, l- l- let their offensive games do the talking and win them a game for you. So that's that's what we have right now. Uh, 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 mid midway through through uh, the season so far, about I still want to say about two and a half weeks ago, there was a, a blockbuster trade that sent James Harden from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets. And ever since then, they formed this big three. They've been off and on as far as all three of them on, on, this, on the court at the same time. They've only had a few games together out of about 10. And uh, but, but so far, offensively, they're on pace to have the greatest offense in NBA history. However, defensively, they're so bad right now, they're on pace to have one of the worst defensive <laughs> teams in NBA history as well. So it's a double-edged sword with this team. They can't guard anybody. You can't guard them. That's exactly where we're at right now. Now, what what have, what have you seen so far, and what what were your initial thoughts on the James Harden trade to Brooklyn? And for me personally, I expected this because who's the coach? <laughs> who's the coach in the Nets? Yeah, Steve Nash. Steve Nash. And when Steve Nash played, did he even heard of anything that's, that start with a D? <laughs> Other than Dan Tony, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So obviously, if you got, if you have a guy that's an offensive mind, his whole life has been offensive mindset. 
Um, yeah. I, I don't even know who they have in the coach that I know. And then he hires the assistant who's also offensive mindset. So tra- tell you the truth, the Nets are telling us, it's like we don't have to look and just uh, um, try to try – to, they tell us exactly what they are. Sometimes yeah. just some people tell you who they are, and we don't know how to hide about it and talk about it. They're like, hey, we are an offensive team. That's who we are, and that's what we handed our, our cap on. And frankly, bro, like, hey, those guys are walking on. Those three guys are walking hundred points, man. They come in the building yeah. with those three on the lineup. That's a hundred points guaranteed. So, damn it, if your opponent, you already know you're down a hundred already. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know you have to bring your your offensive game. And and one of the one of the things. With defenses, with this Brooklyn Nets team, it's a few things. They don't even have to be the best defense in the league. They can be somewhere in the middle of the pack and be, and be fine because that's how elite offensively they are. They're going to score 100. You have to score 120 points at least to beat this team. Yes. Uh, on, on, on a nightly basis. So if, if you know that, uh, you know you're that potent offensively, then defensively, all you, you, you basically have to. You know, just uh, just continue to, to to be competitive and tough, but you don't have to be the greatest. Absolutely, you don't have to put. You don't have to exert all your energy on that side of the ball. And I think they just gotta and, make key stuff. Just like we, it's not in this league in the NBA. It's not about all oh, teams gonna be great defensively. You just gotta be able to make a stop. You know what I mean? It's not about yeah. stopping everyone, but in key plays, in key scenarios, in key situational basketball, you have to be able to make those stops because at that because when we know when the playoff goes. When the playoff starts, this is the NBA is different. It's a series, so at the end of the day, after a game, after uh, uh, two or three games playing against the same guys, they know your tendency. They know everything about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. They know. So eventually, if the game gets a little bit uglier because just because because it gets more physical, and that's what I'm more concerned about this team going forward because of their coaching, Steve Nash and Nancy, they've never been physical. So that's always something I look at because I think a physical team will definitely give this team a problem. Very, very much so. A physical team like the Philadelphia 76ers potentially or, you know, the Boston Celtics who can get physical yep. at times. There's a lot of teams that could potentially give them problems. But when you look at how much of a juggernaut they are offensively, I mean, you're literally talking about you having to bring it. You're counting on banking on at least two of their key guys to be off on any given night in order for you to have a chance to win. Because even if two of their main guys are off, one of they're all three so good that the one that is on could be on so much, <laughs> can, can, can carry the load for the other two that, that have fallen off. That's how good all three of them are. So it's it's, it's one of those two situations where, I, you know, I, and, and defensively, you know, Jacques Vaughn, who was the, uh, uh, who was the fill-in uh, head coach, for them last season in the bubble when Kenny Agerson was fired. He, he did a great job for the Nets last year in the bubble, uh, Guru. But he's the they say he's the defensive guy over there. He's the one who runs the, who uh, sets up the defensive sets, who goes over all the defensive strategies for the team. That's his that's his matchup. Absolutely, so, uh, and, man. And, and I love me right. some Jacques, man, since freaking Kansas, man. I mean, that, that is a <laughs> defensive guy, man. That makes yeah. – that's like Bruce Bowen coming and being a defensive coach, man. Jacques Vaughn made his money. The only reason why he survived in the NBA is because of defense, because his offensive game was as bad as mine, bro. <laughs> You're absolutely right, man. So, so, and, and, and to be honest with you, girl, I'm going to say this one, just one more thing on the Nets. Don't be surprised if they make another trade for another big man or another defensive threat uh, moving forward, a, a big trade. Like I'm not talking about like another bringing another piece like another Iman Shumpert or somebody like that. I'm talking about another big blockbuster trade. You know, and, and and potentially, dare I say, don't be surprised if you see Andre Drummond on the Brooklyn Nets within the near Ooh. future. If Andre Drummond, if Andre Drummond 
comes to the Brooklyn Nets, that will kill majority of your defensive problems because you will have a rim protector. You will have length along with the fact that you will be able to have a DeAndre Jordan come off the bench and be able to give you the minutes that he gives you in the starting position off the bench and spell for Drummond. So that that will give their front line a lot more help along with what KD can do when they when they put him at the four. This team defensively, this team is not done. This is not going to be the final product. There's going to be a lot of moves to be made. So don't be surprised if you see a move like that. Absolutely. Yeah, so like, what, what about uh, also – I want to talk about the uh, it was quote. It was a quote from uh, you know we we've heard different quotes from Shaq, who he uh, I think after a certain game Utah had, where he went to Donovan Mitchell. He said Donovan Mitchell, you're my favorite player, but I don't feel like you're. I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of I don't feel like you're good enough right now to carry this team to the finals or to get this team over the hump. He challenged them and motivated them, and you know social media went crazy. A lot of people were you know being sensitive to what Shaq said, but Donovan. In my opinion, he was just motivating Donovan Mitchell and giving him some uh, some tough love and letting him know to step his game up because he's ready. Um, you hear situations where Shaq called out LeBron and said he needs to step up offensively. He called um, there's Carl um, Malone. He he called out certain players. There's Charles Barkley. He always calls out guys. And you heard LeBron James and Kevin Durant go back at some of uh, speak on some of the older older cats when they when they talk about the the players. They say it's good when they talk basketball. But when they get personal, that's when we have a problem. And some of the older cats are saying, well, major- we, majority of the time, we don't feel like we're getting personal. We feel like we're keeping it right around, right along the, the basketball line. And if you if you can't understand that, making the money that you make, then then the, the, that speaks more about you than that speaks us. Where do you see the divide between the old school cats' criticism of the younger generation and the young, younger generation's uh, receptive, uh, being receptive to that uh, criticism. It's it's so funny because I feel like I, I'm stuck in the be- in between. I feel like I'm not the younger generation, but I'm not the older generation. We just stuck right. in the we're the middle child in this situation. You know what I mean? <laughs> so in yeah. a sense, I, I get both per- perspective because it's it's easy. The old heads, the people don't realize old heads. The way they love you is called tough love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Growing up with my dad and all that, it's tough love, man. Ain't nobody, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to kiss you. You know what I'm saying? The new generation right now, because of all this mental uh, mental awareness, everything that's going on and participation trophies uh, going up, it's like they need a little bit more suasion. They need a little bit of pat mm-hmm. on the back. They're like, you could do that. They, what, what they, they need more positivity or affirmation. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. It's just the generation we're on right now. Our generation, the older generation, there is no positive affirmation. It's, bro, you suck. What you going to do about it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Your game is whack. Yeah. What you going to do about it, son? But in yeah. this generation, when you say that, they see the word, the key word it says, hating. We know, that's, the, that's what it came up with. It's called hating. In our generation, right. it used to be, it's called constructive criticism. Exactly. Exactly, and then and that's one of my that's one of my biggest problems we, uh, is that we don't know how to decipher. Uh, for the most part, our generation doesn't know how to decipher constructive criticism from hate. Constructive criticism is not hate. It depends on the delivery, where it's coming from, and how it's how it's being persuaded. I mean, when when you look at it from the perspective of the older generation, uh, you know, uh, one thing we've heard is that you know there there could be some a bit of jealousy and a bit of bitterness because the older generation fought. And paved the way for the the way that some of these guys have now. 
the the uh, the Rudy Gobert's and guys being able to get two hundred million dollar contracts uh, without being the mo- the best player at your position. You know, guys like that being being able to afford it to get all this money, all this uh, brand opportunities to make outside of basketball. Like guys like Michael Jordan, who set up the corporate, he set up the corporate paradigm, and for players to generate revenue outside of dribbling the basketball. That's what Michael Jordan did, and guys like that. Like Michael Jordan today would be making probably three hundred million dollars. <laughs> probably he'd probably be out on the court, not even just talking about what he makes off the court. You know, so it's a divide with that, with the older cats uh, paving the way for the younger cats. The younger cats not showing appreciation for what they did for them. It's a divide right there. But I, I feel like it's a, it's a divided communication as well. Understanding between the, between the two aspects, just understanding from a leader's perspective. When you're a leader, and we learned this from Kobe, for any 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 of the other leaders out there, when you're a leader, especially of a group. You have to you have to understand what makes each player tick. So I might go at and to your point, I might go at a, a, a at a Sebi a certain way because you know he he if I if I criticize him if I go at him on an old school tip that might not get make him tick. Mm-hmm. But if I coddle him a little bit, I give him a pat on the back and I soft I, I'm a little bit more soft spoken around him that might get him to going. Whereas with you, Guru, if I'm a little bit soft spoken around you. That's not gonna get you at your best. That's not gonna get you right. But if I come at you on old school time, like yo, get on your stuff, get, get, like, get, mm-hmm. get, get to it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's get this money. Come on, man. What you doing? You slacking? Yes, sir. That's gonna motivate you to get you going because you're a different person. You have a different mentality, and that's a key to a leader, in my opinion. A lot of these old school cats, the younger generation, look to, look to you as leaders. So they're looking at looking at it from the perspective of, okay, if this is who I am, come at me this way. If this is who I am coming me that way, the, the older generation just knows one way, and that's their way. Okay, I don't the, the way Shaq came at Donovan Mitchell. I don't think you're good enough right now to lead this team to a championship. He told him straight and up. That's a fact. That's just how they. That's how they roll. That's a fact. You know? And I think, and I, some people call that hating to me. That is nothing I hating about. That is an absolutely fact. Because Shaq yeah. is looking at it, Donovan Mitchell, you are not good enough to beat the Clippers. You are not good enough to beat LeBron James. You are not, and that is a fact. If you take it as hating, so be it. Then you have yourself to worry about. Yeah, you do, you do, and and, and that's what I was, and that's how I feel. Donovan took it. You know, I feel like initially he was he was surprised by it. He didn't expect uh, Shaq to ask him that question like that on national TV in front of everybody. But I feel like the the same mentality. That um that, that we have about it, he took it the same way, and he he was like, "I'm going to show you." And they went on to win. A, they went on to continue that win streak that they were on until they finally got uh they finally lost it earlier in the week. Absolutely. But but Donovan, I'm telling you, Donovan is one of those franchise players, man. He he got his money in the offseason, well deserved. Uh, he had a tremendous showing in the bubble. Uh, uh last last season, him and uh uh, uh him and Murray. I mean, they they were they were going back and forth in that, in that first round series, uh, trading fifty point uh, performances with each other. I mean, it was a duel like no other. It reminded me of the Allen Iverson Vince Carter uh, series back in the days between the Raptors and the Sixers back in like two, the early two thousands. It was it was a special duel. So Donovan Mitchell is that guy. Shaq just Shaq is, Shaq just wants to see the uh, that competitive side, that that dog, that extra something come out of him. I I totally agree, and I think he's definitely reacting the correct way. Who have been some of your sleeper teams this season so far that uh, that have that that may, teams people may have been not been paying too much attention to early on in the season, but they've been making a lot of noise this year. Man, to be honest with you, my I mean, people will probably be talking about this team, but more for the controversial aspect of it. I love what the Rockets are doing, man. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey man, you know I, I you know I'm a John Wall guy, the DMV native, man. I, I, I got a <laughs> I got a heart for John Wall. I ain't gonna lie, man. I'm not gonna lie. I do have a thing for my man John Wall, man. So and I think it just oh, seeing him man. persevere, seeing him go through what he's gone through and coming back and the way he's playing right now with the Rockets, consider what happened with the James Harden situation. I mean, have you seen the Rockets the last the last week or so, man? I oh, mean, yeah. they are Since they unbelievable. And, you know, they got my yep. man Olio Depot. So it's like a DMV yeah. cast over there. So it's like I cannot <laughs> think about and not watch the Houston Rockets, man. Yeah, no, the Houston Rockets are on fire right now. They It took them a while to get – Acclimated with the with the players and then the, after the trade because it got to a, such such a such a bad point with the James Harden situation to where it led to guys like PJ Tucker uh, thinking about uh, you know you know what he was going to do with his contract and stuff like that. It was just it was too much riding on the line. And once they finally got James Harden out of there and they brought their new pieces in, when you sit back and look at that roster initially, you say, man, this could be a good team. It started off a little slow for them, but lately in the past six seven games or so, they picked it up. They're on a six game winning streak right now. They're one of the best defensive teams in the mm-hmm. league. Offensively, they're, they're sharing the ball and they're uh, doing it by committee. And you, they're looking like a scary bunch right now, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's it, I love what I'm seeing from the Houston Rockets. Uh, they're, they're, they're a special team. I love what I'm seeing right now from the from the Clippers. Mm. The, Clippers the Clippers have been dangerous. I mean, and, and Guru, the Clippers have been somewhat of, a, of the forgotten team in a sense because of how they looked in the playoffs last year, blowing a 3-1 lead. Before you meet the Lakers, uh, it was just is last year everybody anticipated them to go go against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. That was the dream matchup. Neither one of you could win the championship or go to the finals if you did, if you didn't go against each other. And because it didn't happen, people held the Clippers uh, in such regard. They criticized them, bashed them, and they they pretty much looked at them as an afterthought. Paul George as well, especially with how he performed in the bubble. Paul George came out in the offseason, said he wasn't right. Said uh, he 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 he's got something for all the haters, and he's been proving it. He's been balling on the court. Corn rolls, ball, baby, corn rolls. Man, man, uh, uh, play, uh, pandemic P. He's he's he looks great right now. I mean, you can't. There's no jokes. You can't you can't go on him. You can't say anything about his game. The brothers playing at an all time high right now. Kawhi Leonard is being Kawhi. Uh, you know they, they do need a point guard, and I would not be surprised, Guru, if Lonzo Ball finds his way in uh, L.A with a, a, a massive trade that gets him from New Orleans. I, I wouldn't be surprised Lonzo if they get Ball, that. Because man. They, Lonzo man, they Ball. need a point guard, man. They need a point guard, man. And Lonzo would be a perfect fit for that team because he's unselfish. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. Kawhi and Paul George can still do their thing. Uh, Nicholas Batum has been an unsung hero for this team. Serge Ibaka has been uh, doing his thing from the pick and pop and uh, defensively as well. Uh, he's been an upgrade from Montrez Harrell, so... This Clippers team right now is one of the hottest teams in basketball, along with the Utah Jazz. Uh, I, I love what I'm seeing from them. They're, they're uh, my top um, sleep, uh, sleeper team so far. Not, not even a sleeper team. They've been probably the hottest team, in my opinion. The biggest sleeper team to me has probably been, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with probably the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm. The Memphis Grizzlies, they, they've, they've come on strong. They've come on strong, especially the last 10 games. Yeah, they're seven they three in the seven last game in a row right now. Yeah, yeah, they're seven and three in their last uh, ten games since John Moran has come back. They've been on a tear. Uh, I, I love what I'm seeing from them. They're, they're they're a young team. They're they're still learning the game. 
but they're but but they're hungry and they play hard every night yeah, because of that. They, one thing I, lo- and they, I do they, love about mid- the Grizzlies you mentioned, dude. For some reason, man, they're a road warrior team, man. It's like it seems like on the oh, road yeah. they just you can't they can't lose. I see they're six and six and one away from um, from home, and I love that about a team. If you can win on the road, man, that shows me a character about a team. When you have when you can have like five, at least at least five uh, players per game uh, scoring in double figures. That's the that bodes well success for your team, and I, I just I, I saw the potential they had last year in the bubble. I see them going pleasantly far uh, this year. This year moving forward. What about some teams that that, that you felt would, would would start off the season better or or be in a much better position that just had that just have not been they've not cut it this year. They they look like a shell of themselves. I mean, I think to be honest with you, the Pelicans, bro. Mm, okay. Yeah, the, the the Pelicans. I'm not. I I I I wasn't expecting what they were like. What they lost a couple in a row. They what seven and twelve right yeah, now. Yeah, they're seven and twelve right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't expect that. You know, I I was expecting worst case scenario. Like put it like this: I, worst case scenario, I kind of expect them to look like the Kings. You know what I mean? Like I like Sacramento, but right now I I I just I I don't know what's going on over there, man. I really don't know. Lonzo Ball can't. I I I don't I, I really don't know. Like I'm. I, I'm confused with what's going on. I, I expect a little bit more from them. I think this is very disappointing. I think even for themselves, they know they're very disappointed right now as far as they start. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to tell you, my perspective on why they're looking so bad is maybe Stan Van Gundy wasn't the guy. Maybe maybe his scheme and the way he does things is not suitable for this young up and You got to know Stan Van Gundy, excuse me, is old school cat. You know he he runs sets, he runs plays, he runs uh he want he want he he puts players in motion. They have to you know do things like that. He has an old school type of game with a young with a young minded new era basketball mm-hmm. team, and it's not adjusting and it's not co it's not co uh with each other. Uh, this team is better off when they're running and gunning, getting them right. This is not a team that needs to be in sets and plays and be st- held to this old school standard because they're going to get ran out of the gym by all the other teams uh, moving forward. And, and then that's what we've seen. Absolutely. For the most I don't part. think, I don't think, because I think teams that run sets, those are high IQ teams. I don't think the Pelicans is a high IQ team. Yeah. that That's a team like the Memphis Grizzlies. That's young needs to go out there and run and by committee, just go out there and play basketball. And don't think, and, just don't think you your athletic team. ability. Do not think. Yeah, they they need to be a fast team, not not more so a half court team. Another team that's uh that that's for me that that I had high expectations for, and I'm biased because that's my team. But 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 also, the Washington Wizards. <laughs> I, I actually at the start of the season, I had us as as, as a playoff. Oh team. I don't my know where, goodness! I don't know where you had us in that one to ten uh, range to get to the playoffs. But I had us in that conversation. Oh my goodness, man! Because when you, when you have somebody like Russell Westbrook, now, 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 now granted, Russell Westbrook is, is that guy. Uh, but but when you trade John Wall, but you get somebody like Russell Westbrook, and you still have Bradley Beal with that backcourt. You should make the playoffs, in my opinion. You should be good enough to, uh, to make the playoffs with the with the weapons and the pieces that we have outside of them. With Davis Bertans, with Ish Smith coming off the bench and still being able to give you some quality minutes, Mo Wagner. Uh, coming off the bench. I mean, we have we have it's, it's some studs on this team that that can play, that can shoot, that can that Garrison Matthews. He's one of the uh, uh, he's a great knockdown shooter in this league. I feel like we had the the weapons and the pieces to make a playoff team, but we started off slow. Uh, Russell Westbrook came back. Uh, he wasn't hundred percent when he first came back, and you can see it. He doesn't look as he didn't look as explosive. However, ever since the you know uh, the Wizards, they had that whole situation where they had two weeks off because of COVID. Uh, games got postponed. 
But uh, ever since Russell Westbrook has come back from the the COVID postponement, he's looked like himself. I mean, you saw it in the game uh, against the Brooklyn Nets, 41-8-10. That was his best game by far, Guru. That was his best game by far as a Washington Wizard. And uh, hopefully that's a, a sign of things to come because Westbrook has a history of starting off slow and then picking it up. So hopefully the, the, that'll be uh, the situation for us. But, man, I hope – I had high hopes that we would look much better than this. And we don't – even with Westbrook playing well, we don't – right now, we don't even look like a playoff team. Absolutely. I'm not even – you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have no expectation for the, for the Wizards, <laughs> man. You know, it's, it's kind of hard for me to have expectation for those guys. They didn't give me nothing to be expected for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think. Well, last week we just got Alex Lynn, man. I like. What's, I, I have yeah. no expectation for this team. Frankly, I just want to see Brad. I just want to see Bradley Bill it, it, with the Wizards. I just want to talk about. You know, there's certain teams. You know, it might be football. You might be a Cleveland Brown fan. One of those teams that usually don't win, and you have a superstar player, so you just cheer for that player to be the All Star, to be for everybody to know how good that player is. I kind of under man. Let everybody know Bradley Bill is a top. Basically, I think he's a top ten player in this league. He is absolutely. You can make the argument for him. You can make the argument for him, absolutely. As he's a top two or three shooting guard, easily, easily. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. You know, so I, another one of those teams that their record might not show how how good they are, but they're very competitive, and they and they and on any given night they come. They come and they compete at a high level, and that's the Chicago Bulls, man. The Chicago Bulls have, I want to say, one or two, probably two losses on their entire season where they've lost in double digits. They've they've been in every single game. They're very, they're a very competitive bunch, uh, uh, and and Zach Levine, I, I really I, I don't know, I don't know if he's gonna be I don't know if he's gonna be in Chicago much longer. I feel like with his talent and his rise to stardom and his 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 assertion as a player year by year. He continues to get better and better. I wouldn't be surprised if by trade deadline he's on the contending team by now. And um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. But that Bulls team so far has been a very competitive team and their record might not show it. But on any given night, any team that'll play them, they'll tell you this Bulls team is no joke. Absolutely, man. On a little side note, another team that I like that I that Riley I'm looking at that's kind of I'm intrigued, man. Uh um the Knicks, man. You know, I look at the Knicks. I like what they're doing out there defensively. I think that's another team that plays hard, man. They play hard every game, man. And frankly, if anything, the Wizards should be what the Knicks are right now. I'd be happy with that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, you're not lying, man. The Knicks are very competitive as well. The, the Knicks are playing some good basketball. They continue to play like this as the season progresses. They'll be in that uh, that, that latter part of potentially making the playoffs. I like what I'm saying from the Knicks. That's scary. But isn't I- it? You just said that. No, I can't believe you just said that. The Knicks and playoffs, right. man, that don't sound right, man. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, man. You know, as crazy as it sounds, man, they're not that far from moving. They're about what eight years out. It's been, a, I know it sounds, it's it's been a long eight years for Knicks fans. <laughs> they, they've dressed for a long time, but um, but yeah, man, it's it's um, it's it's something that uh, that I see potentially happen. This team is is very competitive. They they play hard on any given night. R.J. Barrett's playing well. They have this young point guard, Emmanuel Quickly, who's uh who's uh, a young stud. Uh, in and of his own, Mitchell Robinson mm-hmm. is playing well. Uh, they 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 have they have some young guys. Obi Toppin hasn't really he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries and things like that. So it's it's not it hasn't been much. He hasn't even gotten into the lineup yet. So uh, he still has his he has to get his feet wet. This is a this is a team a team to be working with. I like what I've seen a, a team that has really come on late, especially the past few weeks. I like what I'm seeing from the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Steph Curry has woken up and uh, after the slow start to the season, he's been playing very well. 
Another player that's been playing very well is Andrew Wiggins. Ooh. I've been very, I've been very uh, critical of Andrew Wiggins throughout his career, and uh, this uh, so far he's picked it up. He's um he's he's given the Warriors what they've needed uh, on the offensive side of the ball, along with defensively uh, being a pest with that length. So I like what I'm seeing from the Warriors. That, uh, don't be surprised if uh, the Warriors are in a potential um, trade with Zach Levine and, and possibly trying to get him over there to go to state. So it's it's going to be interesting. But um, those are some of my teams. I'm loving I'm loving the Kings with Darian Fox right now, man. Like I, I'm not going to lie to you. They, Ooh, okay. I've seen a little flat. Like it's, I love that kid, man. I love yeah. that kid. That kid is he's overly top. Like that kid is just stuck in a market nobody heard of, man. But my man, <laughs> my man Darren Fox is a dog, bro. He's a dog. Does he, does he not remind when he first came into the league? Did he not remind you of a left-handed John Wall? A left-handed John Wall, but I, but I think he for some reason I just think he loved the game more. I think John Love loved the lifestyle of the game. I think Fox loved the game. Yeah, because you're seeing his game could tremendously improve year by year. I mean, his three-point shot is almost something where you you can't leave him wide open anymore. It's uh he he pretty much has a has a consistent shot, and uh, by year by year it gets better and better. Yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing from the Kings. Another team after that after that Brooklyn trade as well. Another team that got better is someone is a team that uh people can't sleep on, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm, don't don't sleep Sexton. on the Cleveland Cavaliers team. Yeah, Colin Sexton, he's a dog. He's a competitive beast. Uh, you got Jared Allen down there in the paint. You got Torian Prince on the wing for defensive purposes and knocking down threes. Uh, this is a team, man. This is a, a scary team. You still have Andre Drummond there, but uh, we'll see how long he's there. JaVel McGee is gonna is, is still there. Uh, this is a this is a solid. Darius Garland is, is making plays as a young as a young player, young playmaker. This Cleveland team is on the up and coming, and I, don't be surprised the way they're playing if they make the playoffs as well. Well, let, it's I, I got I got to tap down. I got I got to get you on one. I feel like we go back. I got to get you on this one. Man, I like the Charlotte Hornets, baby. What's up with oh, my man? What's up with this Charlotte Hornets, okay. man? Gordon Hayward's been playing out of his mind, ain't he, Google? You know what I'm saying, bro? What's up with the Hornets? Like, are you serious? I'm looking, I'm like, what they, they, what, they won a couple of games in a row, bro. Like, LaMelo looked like the, the, the real deal Holyfield, bro. The Charlotte, the, the Charlotte Hornets have a, 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 a nice combination of young and veteran uh, players on their team. The, the, the Lamelo Ball, Malik Monk, guys like that who are up and coming. Uh, Malik Monk in his fourth year, he had a great game the other day against Miami where he shot the lights out. It kind of reminded me of that forty-seven point game he had against the UNC Tar Heels, yeah. but uh, that, that was a that was a great game right there. Uh, he had the other day against Miami uh, that won it for him in overtime. But Gordon Hayward consistently, what he's done this year, I mean, he has been outstanding. You have Devonte Graham who's coming in, Terry Rozier, he's been playing good basketball. Uh, these guys. These guys have been having lights out. Absolutely. And, uh, you you with, look at it right now, you, man. They got the longest streak in the Eastern Conference right now, man. Yeah. And when you look at all these players that need the ball in their hands, you would have wondered at the start of the season how it was going to work with these guys. But they made, they managed. They all get their touches. They all get their, their shots up. And and they're, and, and they're, <laughs> the wins are, are, are coming because of it. I like what I'm seeing from Charlotte. Michael Jordan's team is is definitely is definitely doing a great job. I know we need all, all this team, and the Wizards don't even close to any of them, man. Oh, man, come on, man, don't do it like that, man. We got we're, we're you know, I didn't have no expectation for them guys, man. Hey, man, we two we got four wins on the season. Two of them, two of them against the Brooklyn Nets, man. We we, we, we doing something right, man. We doing something. Right. I don't know what it is. Hey, you know, we, it's, we, it's we, that we, personal we, thing, man. That personal <laughs> thing, man. It's that personal. <laughs> Hey man, no way. I feel like we're gonna get it right. It's, it's still a long season for all these teams. There's still a lot of games to be played, over 50 games to be played uh for these teams. And uh we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see how the season 
plays out. But coming up on our next segment, we have a freelance segment. We're going to talk about, you know, so, so some of the trades, some of the trades in the NFL. We're going to jump around from sport to sport, and we're just gonna we're gonna have some fun on, on this on this show with me and Guru. So uh, stay, stay tuned. You you don't you don't want to miss this next segment, and we're tuning live here on the Sebi Podcast Show. Yes, yes, that's that good, good Fuji, good Fuji lot, a good the score right there, ready or not. Hey, the new millennial don't like that. They don't, don't like that shit. They don't know about that guru. They don't know about that. They like that dance music, man. They like to dance, man. Oh, they like man. to do challenges. Man, that's the good old school soulful music right there, Fuji's. But um, nah, nah, man, we got we, segment three. We're here live on the Sebi Podcast Show. Here, me and Guru, Mike Gray. Uh, this is a freelance segment. Right now, let's talk about the trades. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and do it. We've we've been wanting to chop it up about it. This has been a, a headline news outside of the Super Bowl and the NFL over the past weekend. Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions got traded to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff and a couple of uh, second round picks here and there. What were your initial thoughts, Guru, on this trade? The first thing I thought about was like, man, the Rams just sold their house to move into a condo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the first thing that's I said. Funny. I'm like, hey, they went to a nice condo, though. It was a nice high-rise condo. Don't get it twisted. Well, man, did they sell that house. Ain't nothing like having a house, man. Yeah. Oh, so you think the... The the oh so you think the Rams lost absolutely the man like I think let's need I, yeah. I, absolutely man to be honest with you guys I don't think uh, I I'm not the, I don't want to sound like I'm a hater but you know it's gonna sound like a hater man I'm just giving my thorough opinion about my, Matthew Stafford I think Matthew Stafford is a, a 15 to 25 quarterback in this league personally I'm not talking about his arm strength I'm not talking about anything I'm talking about his overall accumulated including leadership, including toughness, including be able to infuse winners, including to be able to elevate others. And I frankly, I don't see that in that cap, man. And I think guys in that position, you need to elevate, man. It ain't about your skill set, just like you see Brady. It's about making others better. And I think Matthew Stafford is, he makes himself better. I don't see that. It's kind of reminded me of that, um, the Raiders trade with Khalil Mack. So the Bears, remember the Bears thought they were just Khalil Mack away. They were Khalil Mack away. And they, they, they basically gave him the house. They gave him the house, and now the Bears where? They live in a condominium. They're in a condo, not a house. Exactly, yeah. You make, you make, you make valid points. I actually feel like the Rams won this trade, and I'm going to tell you why. Jared Goff, I feel like well, Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than me than Jared Goff. That, that that's what that's how I see it. Matthew Stafford has got a, gotten a bad uh, rep in Detroit because of the the lack of productivity around him on all levels, not just from the weapons that he has, but the lack of team that he that that was surrounded by him. The 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 consistent uh, 
firing of head coaches and offensive coordinators and having to deal with that early on in your career, that that lack of continuity and stability at, at the quarterback position, no matter how good you are, if you consistently have rotating coordinators, rotating quarterback coaches, rotating head coaches, that's that's a, a recipe for for disaster. And you know he he benefited tremendously because of a, a Calvin Johnson and a Megatron. But you know when he even when he retired, you saw. Matthew Stafford, uh, when when healthy and when when he has certain weapons and when keys are around him, he can make some things shake. But it never, he's never put it like this. He's never going to be afforded. He was never afforded uh, the the team that the Rams have right now, that he had at any moment in Detroit. At any moment, he never had this quality of a squad in L.A. And I feel like, you know, Matthew Stafford doesn't have to be a young gunslinger putting it all over the field. With this defense, the way that this defense is playing, uh, the way this team is constructed uh, with the weapons that they have, Matthew Stafford can come in there as long as he's being turnover free and uh, he, he's in a situation where, you know, he, he can he can lead the team and do his thing. Matthew Stafford will be fine. I feel like the Rams will ha- get the better end of the stick because it was only so so far Jared Goff was going to take I don't think I got a couple of things with that. To me, it's like, I think winners to me in life, I think a winner wins. I don't think I think in life, just like I don't care what your situation, what your circumstances, you know what I'm saying? If you're a winner, you win. I know a guy named Alex Smith. Yeah. He tore everything in his jersey. The only thing he does is win. He don't have Matthew Stafford arms or nothing like that. But you put Alex Smith yeah. anywhere, whatever the situation is, broken leg, Rivera, Haskins, like what does the Washington football team have? And what did I see? I see a winner. And what Alex Smith always do is win. To me, if you're a winner, I don't give a damn if you're in on Antarctica, I don't care if you're in Alaska. You will elevate others. You will talk to the to the uh, to the to the animals. They will help you be uh, get escape. You know what I'm saying? And we talk about all this, all all the, the the Detroit, like what you just mentioned. I know a guy named Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. They went through offensive coordinators, went through this, went through that, and we you know what I saw. I saw him win a playoff game. Mm. Hey. A winner a loser is a loser. I ain't saying he's a loser. I think he's closer to being a loser than he is to a winner. And one last thing, Matthew Stafford to me was the third best quarterback in the NFC South or North, I'm sorry. And I think he's the third best quarterback in the NFC West. Got you. Okay. I, and, I, and I would agree with you on that one. But I would say, you know, with Alex Smith, the difference with Alex Smith and Matthew Stafford is Alex Smith did a better job of not turning the ball over, and he understood his role. It's two different styles of players. Alex Smith was more of a game manager. Matthew Stafford was a gunslinger that tried to get the ball down the field as many times as possible. And, uh, you know, because of that, uh, the, the high risk, high risk, high reward, uh, some turnovers come with that. And the turnovers are the key part with Matthew Stafford for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a, a big-time winner per se because his career speaks for itself. But, however, when you're, when you're gauging it from the um, from a quarterback position and from a, a position of, you know, longevity and this, this game of football, you could be a, a, a great quarterback. But if the other 52 players on your team are not handling their business, you really rely on a lot more in football than you do in a lot of other sports. And, you know, Matthew Stafford is somebody that I'm not saying he's a big time winner and he's absolved from blame because he has a lot to do with the demise of his career as well. You know, with the turnovers and, you know, uh, not getting a playoff victory and things of that nature. A lot of that is on him. Uh, but at the same time, and, we and can't Mike, I know you play ball and I play ball. There's one thing about, you oh, know, yeah. when you have when you even in a fight, when you know you have a dog. When you believe I have this guy with one minute left, this guy's going to do whatever it takes. And you know what that makes you do as a player? Even if I'm not as talented as that person, 
I've played those for my talent. Tom Brady didn't have no t- all those talented guys, but those guys somehow look more talented than what they are. That's the difference to me about a winner. You do the it's just something you infuse. You can't put stats on it. It's just like it's it's a confidence thing. It's all about the confidence. And me, Matthew Stafford, one minute left in the game. You're down by three. Matthew Stafford got the ball. I have no fear in my life. No fear at all, yeah. And who do you feel like is a better winner, Matthew Stafford or Jared Goff? Frankly, I think it's a, it's a, what they call it in the cards, they broke even. It's a wash. <laughs> you know, one guy is a little, eh, you know, another guy looks better. You know what I'm saying? It's like me skinny. It's basically saying one girl got a nice booty and another girl got nice titties. So it's like either way, work itself out. We want to see we want to see Matthew Stafford in the big game. The furthest we've ever seen Matthew Stafford in the playoffs is the first round of the playoffs. We want to see him. We want to. We've never seen him uh, uh, go toe to toe with a, another great quarterback in the playoffs, or, or or go against a top defense in the playoffs and, and win, or or win a big game, a, a career legacy defining game. This is his moment right here. To, this is his moment right here on this Rams team because he's going to have opportunities. This is your chance right here to rewrite the narrative of your Absolutely. career and, uh, and and definitely and, and make amends for for the time you had in Detroit. And uh, if you can do that, man, will we look will we look at his career a lot differently? Absolutely, I'll say that. But th- listen though, if you came to the Washington, I'd have said a different rhetoric. So just FYI. Man. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm already knowing, man. I already know, man. Well, um. Man, it, it, I, I I I speak on this. Let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, I speak on this. Uh, what 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 topic in sports? What, what what topic in sports is intriguing your mind right now that you just got to get off your chest, uh, Google? Man, it's kind of tell the truth. We kind of hit that in a sense, man. You know, we kind of hit that in a sense because I was I, this whole uh, Stafford trade, and I think the whole world thought this dude was like the best thing smoking. You know what I'm saying? That kind of rub, that yeah. kind of rubbed me up so wrong personally. Uh, that just personally, that was like my grinding my gear because I'm like, bro, they get the house up for a guy that we've never. It's like it's this if thing again. It's just if this person got that, if this person. But like I always say, I've seen Kirk Cousin. I'm like Kirk Cousin. People laugh at Kirk Cousin is six and zero versus Matt Stafford, six and zero undefeated. And y'all are gonna tell me Kirk Cousin them have better? I mean, it's, it's I just. It's just one of the things that really, really irritated me this week in sports is this whole hoopla like Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl winner. He's a Hall of Famer. No, to me, he's the biggest stat stuffer. He's a Hall of Fame stat stuffer. That's what I see in this mm-hmm. dude, man. And that's and that's and I, that just that just rubbed my just grind my gears a little bit wrong, man. Yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. For me, I feel like people looked at it from the perspective of you know maybe he's not a Super Bowl winner or things like that. They looked at the team that the Rams have currently constructed, and they say that right now they would take Matthew Stafford at the quarterback position over Jared Goff, and say that's a a little bit of an upgrade. And they're saying, okay, if Jared Goff can get his team to the second round uh, with his with his troubles. Matthew Stafford can potentially get this team further with how this defense is constructed that they get a few more pieces. You never know. I think that's the mindset you saw from a lot of media members uh, because there is, in the, especially in the mainstream media perspective, there is a, a narrative out there that Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. He's just he's just been a, a cut a raw deal. Not even, not even so cut a raw deal, but just been, been covered with some bad circumstances in Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. I guess because I'm old school, like Shaq and them, they always tell me your current circumstances don't define you. So I guess that's what kind of, you know what I'm saying, rub me off kind of wrong way, man. You know, that's why I like like the NBA guys sometimes, man. 
because they don't make the, the circumstances don't make them. You know, they make the circumstances. They make they get it better. You know, so I kind of, I kind of, you know, that's how yeah. I stand in that, man. <laughs> they are, they also have more freedom to control the narrative in the NBA as well, more so than absolutely. NFL. NFL doesn't have that that, that much You're freedom. Absolutely correct. Now we're not even talking about the contracts, but yeah, uh, talk to me about Deshaun Watson hey. and the troubles in Houston. Now this is we hear a lot of the hoopla about him going to he officially requested a trade to get up out of there. It's gotten to that point where you know it's. It's, it, it's over. The relationship between him and Houston is done. Uh, talk to me about your thoughts on that and what some of the potential landing spots. Houston, we got a problem, bro. Like, I just put a tape out here. Man, Deshaun, I'm pleading. If you're watching and listening, whoever knows Deshaun, come to the DMV. You got what you need. You got Chocolate <laughs> City. You got a man, uh, Rivera, who's a made man, who's about that life. You got a defense that's going to carry you. You got a young, you got a Terry McLaren. I'm talking about you want to be the guy. You're going to be the major immediate market. And also our division, our conference right now, is kind of in a chaos with uh, with the Eagles and the Cowboys. They nothing, there's so much uncertainty. You can come in and the ground growing and establish yourself, playing against the Cowboys numerous times, having TV games, primetime games, so you can actually get your respect as one of the best in this league, man. So come to Washington. Yeah, nah, that's that that's that's one of the things that, that you know people have thrown out there. A lot, a, lot, a lot of people say, you know, the Indianapolis Colts or the um, you know, you got the the Pittsburgh Steelers potentially. The Jets, um, I hear that. I heard the Jets and the 49 the, the New York. I heard the I hear the Jets a lot, but I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I'm not I'm not a I, I like Sam Donald. I saw Sam Donald live his rookie year in 2018 when they went up against the Redskins in training camp for preseason. And, you know, they had the joint yeah, practices yep. and stuff like that. I saw, I saw Sam Donald live, man. From then on, uh, this is back when Todd Bowles was the head coach. From then on, I've, I've always been impressed with the brother, man. His command, his, uh, his velocity, the accuracy. I mean, this guy can play, man. He really can play. It's just, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation right now in New York for him. But I like this Sam Donald kid, but I, I could see a, a situation where if the Jets are ready to get rid of him, he could definitely go to New York and and and, uh, and, be, and that could be one of his potential landing spots as well. But uh, I, I've also paid attention to Indianapolis and Pittsburgh too. I love my Colts, man. I love me Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. Those are I have a very very relationship, man. It's a it's a it's a close relationship with my Colts, man. And frankly, I I think one of the sneaky guys I would like for the Colts, to be honest with you, I like Marcus Mariota, man. I think the way everything is set up, I think Mariota could have a second chance, like the way Ryan Tannehill did with the Titans, you know? All of a sudden, Titan Ryan Tannehill, who was a backup, basically about to be a backup, now he became a $100 million quarterback, a top 15 quarterback in this league. I think a guy like Mariota, I love what I saw when he, uh, when he substituted for Derek Carr. I saw that hunger, like, man, I, I look at Mariota, man, I think with the way the Colts will build up, as far as there being a running team and defensive-led um, I think a guy yeah. like that could be a sneaky, sneaky guy that the coach could sign. And it also it will be for the low. That's interesting. Yeah, it would be for the low. And that's interesting because, you know, when the last time we saw Mariota at the highest level and, and, and playing at his at his peak, he had came back against the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs of that first round matchup. And that was the last we've seen him at, at that level. And, you know, he lost his job since then. He came on to the Raiders as a backup. 
I mean, it's just it, we haven't seen that Mariota, and, and I wonder. I really do wonder if his confidence is shot. You you feel like he's regained that confidence? Man, I feel you know, that man. Understand? It's something about that. Well, I, he made that one play, man. That one run play. It's just I think he needed. Sometimes, just like Ryan, T- I just look at Mariota to me as Ryan Tannehill right now. I don't expect him to be. You know, I just expect him to come in. He he's been through the league now. He he, he knows the league and, and more now. So it's kind of. And I think Frank Wright is one of the best quarterback whisperer we have in this game. So I think that would definitely enhance his, his game as far as uh, being a ball control guy. And most likely, dog. Uh, with Marlon Mack and him coming back, adding a quarterback with legs, man, that will make the uh, the coach offense so diverse and uniquely different. Great point. Great point. I mean, he would have the benefit of weapons and a, all, a great offensive line, a running game, uh, receivers, and a very solid defense, One uh, a top defense at that. So, I mean, everything around Mariota would be set up for him to succeed. It would just be dependent be dependent on what, what what he would do with the product. Absolutely, I think right now at this stage he might be better than Philip Rivers, and we saw Philip Rivers took him for ten games. Yeah, yeah, it will. I mean, Philip Rivers had moments last year. Yeah, he had definitely had moments, you know. But at the end of the day, it wasn't. It could they couldn't put it all together, and they lost to a tough Bills. Philip Rivers could throw playoffs, past so. twenty yards, man. This, we saw that, this, man. We, we saw he almost <laughs> threw his rotator cuff trying to throw the ball twenty yards. And you know the man tripped oh, his man, own yeah. leg, man. The coach did an outstanding work. If Philip Rivers was not in Indianapolis, he don't win like four games like he did in the Chargers. It's just the coach. If I mean, you could go to the coach right now and go eight and eight. Jacoby Brissett is and like they're so nasty. Like you just need somebody who's competent. Yeah. Exactly. That's how good the Colts are. They're a Super Bowl contending team with a with a good quarterback. They're a, a, a Super Bowl, a big time Super Bowl contending team with a great quarterback. So we'll we'll see how that how that plays out. But coming back on segment four, we will have the closing remarks and close out a great show between myself and good brother Guru. <laughs> Back here on the last segment uh, of the Sebi Podcast Show, myself, Mike Gray, here with the Guru. So, there's been a lot of moves being made in college football. I mean, excuse me, college basketball. You know, Baylor's looking good. Gonzaga's still number one. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of things. Any any closing remarks you want to make uh, about any anything sports wise? Yes, I do. On the closing remarks, I'm so super jacked up about this remark right here, man. Growing up, man, one of my favorite games of all time from EA Sports is NCAA football, bro. <laughs> I love me some NCAA. I've been recruiting champion of the world. Hey, Guru, tell me you wasn't jumping for joy when you found that bro, out. Bro, like, dude, I'm doing backflips. I'm like, yo, you know what? I'm about to go make some money and invest in EA Sports, baby, because <laughs> it's in the game. If y'all want to invest, forget that game stuff. AMC nonsense. Baby, EA Sports is back. It's back. It's back. And you know, the, the one of the first things I said was that man, Madden, 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 about to be sick. Because I would tell you, brothers, brothers, brothers will put that Madden down for that uh, that that NCAA. I'm telling you that right now. Man, the thing that I NCAA love about it, though, I love switching, get my players from NCAA to Madden. Though it's like a good connection, man. I was that dude, man. No doubt, no doubt, ladies, ladies, pay attention. If you want to make your brother happy, your fellow, you, you want to make your man happy, you want to look out for the brothers. I'm telling you right now, get him that new NCAA when it come out. I'm telling you, it's going, it's going. I'm telling you, 
You know, you're going to relieve a lot of stress. You don't have to worry about anything. It's going to be a lot of peace and sanity around the house. <laughs> Get that NCAA. I'm telling you. Oh, man. Lovely, man. Don't add, and put some indica. If you know what that is, put that indica in there, dog. <laughs> Whatever you do, man. Whatever you do, you know. You know, it's all good, you know. But uh, great, great show today, brother. Great show. We had, it was good energy, good vibes. Uh, I mean, it's just I, I can't speak enough about the chemistry and the camaraderie we have every time we come on the show. Uh, um, you know, we're looking forward to a great game. I'm sure we're going to be chopping it up with each other while the Super Bowl is going on. But uh, uh, um, do your thing, man. It was a great show. Great having you yeah, on. It was, sure. it was absolutely, man. I loved it, man. Like we always say, man, Mike, you're a winner. You know what I'm saying? The Guru's a winner. We don't matter. We win in every segment, a la Matthew Stafford environment. <laughs> Hey, you in Jersey, I'm in Seattle. Somehow, we still made a winning show, man, because we're both winners. No doubt, man. Everybody stay safe out there. Keep doing your thing. Put the good vibrations in the air. Keep yourself on a high frequency every day, and the rest will take care of itself. Peace and love. Here from the Sevy Podcast Show. Hey, everyone. We're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SevyPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.